Today's message is called an invitation to intimacy. I want everyone to say intimacy. Intimacy. So one thing you'd think about intimacy is intimacy is between a, a, a relationship of two people, man and woman, and you see that Jesus created this in the very beginning. The point of Christianity, I want you to know, is, is a relationship. In Genesis, what did Jesus come for? He came for, for him to have intimacy with Adam and Eve. When Jesus came in the Gospels and, and he was the spoken Messiah in Isaiah, that he would come, he would come. What did he come for? He came for you and me. He came for an intimate relationship. Now, we know this, that Jesus is coming back once more. And who is he coming back for? He's coming back for us, his bride. And this morning, we're going to be talking about two different stories about a wedding feast. These are two parables. Parables are stories with a heavenly meaning. So Jesus was on earth, and he came and told two different stories to his disciples and to the people who followed him. And so we're going to be reading those today. And so uh, the first story is the banquet of the wedding feast. The banquet of the wedding feast is an invitation for the whole world. So the wedding feast, <clears throat> this resembles a, a story to the whole world that they are all invited to attend this amazing wedding feast for the Lord, that he would come back one day. And this is something we're still waiting to celebrate as he comes. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, 1 through 14. And it says in, in the ESV, and again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they wouldn't come. We could see, and I'm going to pause this right here. There's Jesus, or Jesus had invited his children, which would be the kingdom of Israel, but they rejected it. And so this resembles this in the story. And then in verse 5, it's, it reveals what happened. But they pay no attention and went off, one to his farm, one to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. So we see that some of the people he invited, they, they literally just killed his servants, and then, and then the king went after those people, and he said, how could you destroy the people who I've called to invite to the celebration? how wicked humanity could be. Well, in verse nine, it says, go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. So we see a second invitation. And those servants went onto the roads and gathered all from whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. So a man that was invited to this wedding feast, he was there, he was invited, but he did not have a wedding garment. And we're going to go in later into this message that he wasn't prepared. You see, many people are going to come today to this church, and it's great that you're here, but if you don't have a relationship with him, you won't go to heaven with him. I like to share this story is, um, imagine if we were here for Jesus's birthday, right? And imagine if Jesus was on earth, one of his favorite things to do would be to go feed the poor. Okay, and so I want you to tell me, what is Jesus, what's one of his favorite things to do? What, what did I just say? Feed the poor, okay. So imagine after this, we were all gonna go feed the poor. But some of you said, 
oh, I'm so busy. I got to go do the dishes. I got to go clean. I got to go mop. It's Sunday. If you didn't obey him, would you say you really loved him? No. But what if Jesus' favorite thing was to do was to go feed the poor? Would you? The thing that this story resembles is that in our lives, there are going to be many people that come to see him, hear about him, but they're not going to follow him. And unfortunately, the story says that many people will come to know about Jesus, but they will never know him personally. They will, they will never, never hear his voice or follow him. You see, an invitation is, all, is not based on the person who gives it, but on the pay, person who accepts it. There are many people in this room that might not accept his invitation. And as we read the second story in a bit, we're going to see that many people stumble across riches. Some people stumble across being filled with stuff already that there's no need to accept any other invitation. You see, if you love him, you will obey him and you will follow him what he asked to do. Unfortunately, Christians like to say they know Jesus, but do little to show or prove that they love him every day. You you see, uh, I was at a concert a few months ago, and I I remember there was this guy next to me, and I thought he was so annoying. And you know uh, know how some people are just like obnoxious, and you're like, oh my gosh. And after you sit with a person about an hour, you kind of, and you don't say hi, you're like, okay, this is awkward. And you kind of glance, you're like, oh, hi, you know. And the Lord, the Lord said, oh, really, you think he's obnoxious? And I said, yeah, I mean, in my mind, I was like, he says, no, you're going to give him a word. And I said, oh, oh, gosh. But you see, if you delight in the things of the Lord, you're going to do what he says because your actions prove that you love him. If your wife asked you to do something, you would do it because you love her. The reason I'm up here isn't because I love preaching or I love, love people. I love Jesus. That is why I'm up, here. I'm up here. I'm obedient. He doesn't care if this message is perfect. He cares that I'm willing. And God uses the willing to confound the wise. Anyway, back to the story is the guy looked at me and or I looked at the guy and I said, hey, can I tell you something? And then he said, yeah. I said, actually, God wants to give you a word. He gave me the scripture to tell you, and it's out of Psalms 119. It says, it says, your word is a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. And I told him, I said, the Lord has something in your life. And he showed me it's a business. He says that he wants to bless it. And he looked at me, he said, how did you know all those things? I said, well, you don't want to know the whole story, but, <laughs> but what the Lord showed, I, and he said, every single detail that you mentioned, specifically with the scripture, was on point. He says, do you know Jesus? I said, I do. I said, he's like, how do you know him so clearly? I said, I just, I hear his voice and I'll follow what he wants because I love him. He says, I'm an owner of a multi-million dollar business. And he says, and God wants to, I, he's like, I recently became in relationship with the Lord. And he says, and I, that was a confirmation that the Lord wants, wants to use my business and use my life. And he said, thank you so much. And I want you to know this, that if, if I just worked, you can give the Lord a clap of praise for that. But I want you to know that if I just stayed in my mind that I thought he was obnoxious, God wouldn't have used me or him or encouraged him. But many of us aren't willing. We're at the feast, we're at church, and we're saying, that's a good idea, but I don't know if I want to follow that, that idea. But the Lord wants to use your heart. He's after love. Don, he loves you. John, he loves you. I could say, I wish I could say all of your names, but I want you to know he loves you. I could preach further, but if you don't accept that love your life, 
you won't walk in victory. You see, the kingdom of heaven is dualistic. He's coming to establish a kingdom very, very soon, but he wants to establish it here right now. The Lord is coming back for a spotless bride. And there are many people saying, well, I'm saved. I got on the bus a long time ago. But then why is your life like hell? Why are you struggling? You see, I talked to the, we talked to the youth about mental health this past month. And one concept we're talking to them about is to know him is to love him. If you know Jesus, he's done a lot of good things for us. But there are things in our life that come, come to steal that joy, that come to steal, steal that peace that he came to give. And I see a lot of students anxious, a lot of students depressed because they don't know him. And so we spend a lot of time at Kingdom Youth to say, Jesus is really good. He's saved us. He loves us. So now we need to obey his commandments. You see, the real problem that people have is not with following Jesus. They do not believe in, they believe in Christ and his word, but the problem is he doesn't have your heart. They don't have his heart. Once he has won your attention, he has won your actions. So we're going to go to this next story, the wedding feast. Or not the wedding feast, excuse me. The, uh, well, actually, let me share three pitfalls of not following him. You see in the story when Jesus invited people to the wedding, one went to his farm and one went to his home. And there's three things that people will fall on the way to heaven or at least not having heaven on earth. The first one is riches. Those who have the resources to be filled to the point that they don't need him. There's many of us, and I could say Odessa has a spirit of gluttony and the spirit of materialistic things that have so easily entangled us. Many of us are going to say, I don't need Jesus because I've got my Louis Vuitton. Some people say, oh, I've got a, this. The men will say, I've got a nine to five or a nine to nine job. That will be enough for them. But the thing is, one thing at Kingdom we like to do is we like to stay hungry. I've known Jesus for quite some time, but every single day I say, Jesus, I need you more. You're, I'm not satisfied with my job. I'm not satisfied with, that, with what I have already. You see, before I went into ministry, I remember that um, I wanted to make money and I wanted to get into business. So the first two years of my college degree, I went to business school. I took my basics and I felt, okay, God, I want to do business. Well, then right after that, the Lord said, I knew Jesus at that point. And he said, John, that's a good story, but I've got a better one for you. And I heard Jesus in college and he said, you're going to leave business and you're going to go pursue ministry. The first thing I asked, told the Lord, I said, Lord, that doesn't make money. He says, did I, tell, did I call you to make money? And I said, well, I guess not. So I followed him, right? I followed him and I took that step. There's many of you who are, who are going to work and saying, Jesus, I just want the money. But he's saying, there is more for you, beloved. Jesus loves you and the people around you. He's not focused on you getting rich. He's focused on heaven being rich with people. Many of you are so fo focused on getting the job done, going to work and saying, is everything going to be okay? But he wants to use you. I remember my dad, he was, he's a po he was a postman for many, many years. But he always said he was, a, he was a postman masqueraded as a Christian winning people for Jesus. You see, we are all pastors in this concept of the kingdom because Jesus wants to use you wherever you are. He doesn't want to just use me on this pulpit. 
And we're going to go into the concept of the oil, which means that when we have a relationship with Jesus, he uses us and he speaks to us to minister to those around us. So the first one is riches. The second one is religious, religion in, in general. Those that know enough about God to the point they don't need him. You see, those who have accepted Jesus love him, but sometimes we fall into the trap that we know enough about him. I know a lot of people that have been in the church for 20, 30 years, and I tell them, do you know Jesus is doing a new thing right now? And they say, well, I've read it all. I want you to know that you can read enough about Jesus, but when you talk to the person, he tells you new things. That's why we love going to the prayer night, prayer, nights of prayer every single month because Jesus reveals a new thing. Just like I was talking to Jesus last night, I said, Jesus, I'm a little nervous about this message, but he said, it's going to be okay. And then he said, but there's going to be two people that I want to touch because I love them tomorrow. That's a new thing that the Lord, it says in, in, the, in the Greek, it's a logos. Logos is the logos word of God is, is the written word of God, but the rhema word of God is the now. The Lord wants to continue revealing himself. So the pitfall of not following Jesus is that we can be too religious. Are we too religious today? Are we coming in just to worship him and then leave, but we miss him? The third one that I'm going to just touch on is the fatigue of waiting. You see, there are many people in the kingdom of God that, that are ready for his return. They say, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. But they get really, really tired and they get, they get lazy and then they fall off the bandwagon. They say, well, I've been to church. It's those who are done waiting for God. I pray we're never done waiting because God is not only here, but he's coming very, very soon. And I've seen many, many people fall from the church and they say, well, I'm done with Jesus. I said, well, what, what happened? And the Lord wants to, I'm sure, do a healing in that moment in their lives, but they're done with the waiting and they've, they've become lukewarm to the world. The first point I want you to know about Jesus, in order to follow him is we have to, to, become, to know that we're engaged with him. I want you to say engaged. Imagine if, we, if, if one person wanted to propose to you and at that moment they said, well, and they propose to you, on, they get on their knee and they propose to you, but imagine if they said, well, can I still keep my ex around? Would you say yes or you say forget it? The thing is with the, ch I know it's funny, with the church today, I know. With the church today, there are many people that say, well, I want my riches, though. There are many of you that say, I just want this. In order for Jesus to come, he's going to say, I'm sorry, the bandwagon's leaving. You can stay or you can go. He's looking for commitment. So when we say when we're going to follow Jesus, we either go or we leave or stay. It says in Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life cannot be my disciple. In Matthew 4, it also talks about uh, uh, James and John, that they just left everything. They left their job and they said, I'm going to go follow Jesus. Are we like that this morning? Are we ready to leave anything and everything? Jesus obviously is concerned about your family, but he is waiting for you to say yes. There's a point in your life you can accept Jesus and you can hear about him. You say, oh, that's great. There's a point, but there's another point in your life that you know him. And you say, Jesus, I'm willing to do anything. 
The second point I want to say is following Jesus is like being married to him. You are married. Pretend, here's another story of not being proposed to, but if pretend you're at the altar, right? And you're waiting for your loved one to come down that altar. And they don't come. How long are you going to wait? Maybe 5, 10, 15. After the hour comes, you say, forget it. But you know Jesus is coming back for his bride. And if they're not ready, well, then he's leaving. The the bandwagon is going to leave because he's coming for a prepared people. Are you prepared this morning? Then the third point is following Jesus is knowing there will be hard times. But you have a stored relationship with him. I want to talk about the concept of the oil. <clears throat> well, actually, we're going to read this, this uh, part about the ten virgins. So I want you to uh, pick up Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Matthew 25 is like the wedding feast, but it is a different story on the wedding day. On the wedding day, Jesus is going to come get his brides. And back then, there was, he talked about ten different brides that he came, that the bridegroom was going to pick up. 25, 1 through 13, it says, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. And as I pause, I want you to know this, that this story resembles not just the world like the wedding feast, but this story represents the church. This is the church. Half of them will be left behind. It says in verse 5, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. And this goes to the pitfall of they were sleeping. Sometimes we can become a lukewarm church. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him for the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But the answer from Jesus said, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour. Now, I want you to know something about both of these stories. The, 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 virg- the ten virgins or the ten bridegrooms is specifically for the church, and the wedding feast is specifically for the world, who, who he invites. But there's a, good, there's a good part to each, and there's a bad part to each. The good part is he accepts and invites all in the wedding feast. And in the ten virgins, he accepts the ten brides. But if, it's also a bad sort for those who neglect him. And I want you to see your family in light your friends, where will they be on the day of the wedding feast? Where will they be on the day that he calls them as a bridegroom home? Maybe you've got family members who are in church, but they don't follow Jesus closely. I want you to know that there's a good story for those who are waiting, but there's a bad story for those who are, that do not wait for the delay. You see, in the story, they said, Let us in, let us in. 
And Jesus says, do I know you? I don't know you. And they say, just let us in. I went to church. I, I paid tithes. And he said, I don't know you. How will that make you feel if you're left behind? You see, having oil is about having a stored relationship with him. You see, you don't have to be special to have oil. You don't have to, you don't have to be on the platform. You don't have to go to small group every week. But to have oil, you need to be with him. And that day he's going to say, did I know you? And there are many of us going to be on that day. Do I know you, Jesus? And he says, I don't know you. We need to ask, and I've been asking lately, Jesus, do you know me? And there has been moments I've been far away from the Lord, and he's been right there. You see, as the church, we have to answer, am I being ready? Am I prepared to meet with Jesus? And like I said earlier, the kingdom is a dualistic nature. He's coming one day, but he is right here. If you're hurting and broken, child, he is right there. As we talk with the children, at, uh, with the youth about mental health, about depression, anxiety, and fear, I ask them, do you know Jesus? Because if you know him, you're going to receive the love from him. But if he asks you to do some things, like give up something, you better do it because he's preparing you for something. You see, developing the oil for the delay, especially when we're waiting for the one, when Jesus to come, you need to ask, not only do you know him, but when you meet with him in this season, what does he say? Does he show peace to you? Does he, get, does he comfort you? Does he heal you? If he doesn't heal you and he doesn't comfort you, I'd ask if you know him. I remember I was working uh, at the county courthouse. I was 18. And I worked there for two years for the county. And I remember there was, a, there was a lady, and there was about 20 ladies in there, so don't think of, anyway. There was a lady who came to me, and she sat right next to my desk during lunch. And she said, John, I have a friend who's going through an affair. And I was like, well, I'm 18. I don't really know about this stuff. But, <laughs> but she saw I was a Christian, right? She saw I was a Christian. And I, have to, I didn't have to tell everyone, hey, guys, I'm a Christian. I'm over here. No, they saw my fruit because they see every day that I love Jesus and I obey him. I didn't make it known, but she just knew. And I just want to say this for my parents. I'm the youth pastor here, and I've been youth pastor for three years. I can tell when the children pray and the parents don't pray. But also I can tell when the, the, children, when the children don't pray and the parents pray because the children are misbehaving. They know better. We have to wake up and know that our authority is in prayer. Our authority is in the word. Well, back to the story. I remember the lady told me, my, my friend's going through an affair. And the Lord, at 18 years old, he revealed to me it was her that was going through the affair. And one thing about the story is I told her, I said, Jesus wants to meet with you. And I said, and Jesus wants to meet with your friend. I said, I said, I want you to do me a favor. I said, I want you to write a long list. I said, if you've got a journal, I want you to mark at the very top of each page, uh, family. And you'd write every single family member down and add to the list what each family member is dealing with. And then I said, write all your, and then go to another page, write all your friends. 
And then I said, go to the third page. And it said, list all your coworkers. And then at the end of, and then at the fourth page, write all your desires down. The fifth page, write all your needs down. I said, write every one of them down and give them to the Lord. I said, and tell your friend to do that. If she's going through the affair, give, let, I said, there's probably children involved. And she says, yes, there's children involved. I said, give it all to the God, to the Lord and see what he does. Two weeks later, she said, John, my friend wrote everything down and God turned everything around. She's been giving it all to the Lord and the Lord did a work. And it was funny because it ended up being her, but she didn't, it was just kind of like someone said something or whatever. But the thing is, there's people in your life that are going through things, and if they're not giving things to the Lord, then it's going to be a heavy burden to carry. You see, if we want to know Jesus, we have to obey him because he wants to give us a life of freedom. There are many of us that won't obey, which actually reveals the nature of our relationship. You see, if Jesus walked into the room today, it's not more so that you'd say, oh, I know that guy. Jesus, he's a great guy. But if he said, oh, I know that guy. You see, when he walks in, the nature reveals, the nature of the relationship is revealed when the person walks into the room. There's many people that would brag and say, oh, yeah, that guy, I know that guy, and we're, we're cool. You know, it might have been like a really popular guy in school. But the thing is with Jesus, when he comes back, he's going to say, no, I know that guy, her, him. We have to ask that. But in this season, while we are waiting does he know your problem? Does he know your mountain? Does he know your hurdles? The thing is, if you haven't shared with him, then you're probably not freed from it. And the Lord wants to free you this morning. You see, the 10 virgins are supposed to resemble a church who is pure and undefiled by the world. But unfortunately, we have a, a church that is still spotted, a church that is still holding on to riches, that is still holding on to the idea of going to church on a Sunday when it was never meant to be about that. What will matter is, does Jesus know you? You know, small group during the week is great. Going to church on Sunday is great. But what really matters is if he knows you individually. You see, oil is the product of intimacy and obedience. The disciples every day had to decide if they were going to follow Jesus. They didn't have a home. Didn't, didn't matter what happened the day before. But they said, Jesus, every day, because we love you and we've, we've given our lives to you, we're going to surrender any thought, anything within our hearts, and any physical ailment. You see, their lives were committed. I want you to ask yourself, if you could give a percentage, how much over your life, you've given your life over to the Lord, how much would that be? Would it be 30? Would it be 50? Would it be 90? You see, when Josh talked about the message on purity, it's not being perfect before the Lord. It's saying, Jesus, I messed up, but I'm going to give it to you. Are you willing to get back up and say, Jesus, I give you my hurts, my pains, my fears, my anxiety. We have to be really good at saying, Jesus, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. You see, I'm going to close with this story. And I feel like the Lord wants to do some ministry. I really felt like at the end, the Lord wanted to speak to some individuals. I remember whenever I was in college, I remember there was a point in my life I began to get so overwhelmed with school. It was, I was doing college classes and I began to get overwhelmed. And I'm not the type of person to kind of just share everything on the table, but I went to my best friend's house. And I said, I need prayer. Can you pray for me? 
And my friend, he shared his best prayer. And he's like, I just pray for John to be filled, redeemed, and healed. And he's a word of faith guy. But I remember, I just, at the very end, I said, that was a great prayer, but I didn't feel anything. And then Jesus spoke to me, and he said, were you supposed to cry out to him or to me? Many of you were calling Pastor Josh, or many people on staff and saying, I need prayer, I need prayer. Well, Jesus is the one that can heal you. Josh can't heal you. But if we're not going to obey his commandments, we're going to continue to get in the same struggle. And my friend was like, well, I guess, yeah, you really need to talk to God about that one. And I said, and so I said, and I cried out to God, whatever I'd been feeling that season, I'd feeling, I'd been feeling steps of anxiety and depression. And I remember I prayed the prayer that I'd been feeling. I said, Jesus, whenever I go to sleep, I want to rest. I said, whenever, whenever I'm sleeping, I want to actually dream dreams that there are, there is hope for tomorrow. And when I, and when I wake up, I want to know that the birds are chirping. I want to know that there is a plan for my life. There's many people in this room that you feel like there's no tomorrow. But you have to awake to the kingdom of heaven. And it says that there is one day coming a man for you. And, when you, and then the other prayer I prayed was, Jesus, whenever I walk out of my door, I want to take steps of faith and not fear. I said, so Father, whenever I'm feeling intimidated and fearful, Jesus, would you show me how to walk in faith? You see, you're not going to know how to walk in faith if you're intimidated all the time or if you give in to fear. That is why whenever preparing this message, I just felt fear and t- intimidation. I said, you have to leave. Faith lives in this house. You see, there's going to be hard times ahead for many of us. We just lived in a hard time of COVID. And two people I'd love to brag on, well, three really, is Miss Sandra, Melissa, and, and Charlie, those are three people that are in heaven today. And I saw that, and as a youth pastor, and I'm over guest experience here with Armando, is I saw them serve faithfully. Were they perfect? No. But they loved Jesus. Charlie loved Jesus. Sandra loved Jesus. And one person I'd love to brag on is, uh, is Melissa. She was one of our youth leaders, and she dealt a lot with mental health. She had been made fun of. Growing up, she had a disformed face, and I remember she had told us, uh, at a, we, we trained students to share their testimony, and she had shared, she had been made fun of every, when she went to high school, people would point at her and say, oh, she's funny, and they'd laugh at her, and so she always had this, this shame of how she looked, but whenever she shared her testimony at youth, during our youth leader meetings, she'd say that, I have a plan and there's a destiny in my life. Jesus has called me beautiful. And so I can stand here today fearful, but knowing that Jesus has a plan for my life. You might feel in this season that there's a circumstance you're facing. You might feel that there's things in your life like mountains. You're saying, I don't know if Jesus can handle that, but I'm here to tell you today that if you listen to him and if you, if you know that he loves you, he has a big plan for you.